Welcome to These Are The Words. I'm Eric Groon. I'm picking up on the rest of chapter 7, the conflict of the struggle for the birthright. Enjoying good music. This mantra is called the Maha Mantra. And for anyone who wants to reach enlightenment and liberation and devotional service to God, you can chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That's simple. Am I still recording or what? It says that I'm 
I'm live. I'm still live. But I don't understand what happened. <laughs> In this love abiding, this love dancing. This is Maya. Maya does this. Maya does this. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Transcendental. We're spirit soul. We're pure spirit soul. We're not these bodies. We're not these bodies, and we're not the mind. The mind, while we are 
while we identify with these bodies and with the mind, this material nature is constantly under the modes of nature, controlled by ignorance, passion, and goodness or clarity. So, of course we want to be in the state of goodness or clarity, a clear mind is intelligent, we want to be in this, what's called bodhicitta, like a Buddha mind, that's the Buddha mind, the Buddha chitta. That is the, a, an intellect, an intellect which is clear, a clear mind, a clear consciousness, aware, a clear awareness, right? But uh, we have to, we're, we're beyond, the soul is beyond this bodhicitta even. It's beyond the modes of nature. While we are, while we are functioning as the mind and the body, we are also under the material modes of nature. But the soul, in order to witness the soul, in order to witness the true self, which is the soul, the eternal soul, we have to transcend and so We always have to be thinking on God, thinking on the transcendental being, thinking on the transcendental being and seeking, seeking to be able to serve in loving devotion, to be able to serve that transcendental being, that transcendental self, that transcendental person. Thank you, Gaia.
I don't know how to get music on here, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to leave it off for now. This is None of my gadgets are working correctly. So anyway, I'm just going to go on with the struggle for the birthright. Chapter 7, the conflict. In the middle of chapter 7, who is a Jew? The church and Judah are the same entity. The church is the called out body of people called out of the bad fig tree of Judaism to be grafted into the, the good fig tree of Jesus Christ. Although there are non-Judahites who have been grafted into this Judah church, the church itself is the legitimate tribe of Judah. The Apostle Paul makes this very clear in Romans 2, 29 For he is not a Jew who was one outwardly, in Greek, it is en phaneros, in manifestation, or what is apparent. Neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, kruptos, or hidden. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. And his phrase is not from men, but from God. Here is Paul's definition of a Jew, and he defines it both negatively and positively. He tells us that there are two groups of people, each laying claim to being a Jew or Judean. The bad figs are apparent Jews, the concordant version, for they were recognized by men as Jews. Oh, I read this. This is actually, I read this the last time. Okay, so I'll, I'll let's see. I'll pick up on the, uh, I think, let's see, the early church. Okay, the early church, the early church. The temple leaders in Jerusalem began to persecute the Christian believers very soon after they crucified Jesus. In Acts 4, 1 through 3, 1 to 3, we read of the beginnings of persecution after Peter and John had healed the lame man at the very gate of the temple. We read, and as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, of the temple guard, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were reaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. The next day, Peter gave testimony before the high priest that the man had been healed by the power of the risen Christ. His testimony is the foundation of the Christian's testimony before all Jews, even today. We read in Acts 4, 8 through 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. There, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
Few people questioned Peter's words until recently. Then, in the name of having better relations with Judaism, various Christian leaders first began to blame the Romans for the crucifixion, denying the scriptures that the sacrifice had to be made by the by the Levitical priests alone in order to be acceptable to God. Then, more recently, various Christian leaders began to think that Jews are actually saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. I myself first saw this view written in Billy Graham's My Answer column in the 1960s, although I doubt that this was written by Mr. Graham himself. It was too far out of character for him to have written it personally. The article said that Gentiles are saved by grace through faith in Christ, while Jews are saved by the, by the law. But if that were the case, then no Jew could ever be saved. For there is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10. Not a single Jew has ever been perfect before the law his entire life, unless perhaps he died very early in life. I myself would never make salvation for a Jew to be such a hopeless cause. I, I myself would never make salvation for a Jew to be such a hopeless cause. At any rate, when we read the book of Acts, we find Jews everywhere being saved by faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I would like to ask these other so-called Bible teachers to tell me the date that this requirement for salvation changed. Just for the record, let me state that I believe what Peter said st to still be true. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The reaction of the Jewish leaders to Peter's sentiment, to Peter's statement, set the pattern for Judaism that has been followed to this day. We find it in Acts 4:14 through 18. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they ordered, they had ordered them to go aside out of the council. They began to confer with one another, saying. What shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to any man in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them to not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> in other words, they were fully aware of the miracle of healing that had taken place in front of the temple. This was undeniable, but they did not want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and so they resorted to damage control. These same leaders were also fully aware that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead, but they did not want to follow him anyway. They preferred a lie. Matthew 28, 11-15 says, Now while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. <clears throat> and if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. 
and this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. <clears throat> Thus, it is no surprise that the leaders of the people continue to reject Jesus Christ, even though a, a lame man had been healed by his power at the very gate of the temple. Their reaction to this good deed was to command the disciples to stop teaching in the name of Jesus. They refused to stop, and many sick were healed. Acts 5, 15, 16. The high priest, then filled with jealousy, put the apostles into the jail. Acts 5, 18. But the angel released them, and the apostles continued preaching boldly. It really began to alarm them when they, con when they found that they could not even keep the apostles in prison because the angels would release them. I mean, who was God to go against their legal decisions? So they arrested... The, uh, it really began to alarm them when they found that they could not even keep the apostles in prison because the angels would release them. I mean, who was God to go against their legal decisions? So they arrested the, the apostles again. But Peter told them in no uncertain terms the problem and the solution to that problem. Acts 5.30-32 says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on the cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and, and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This made them really angry, and they would have attempted to kill the apostles, except that Gamaliel counseled against it. Even so, Acts 5.40 says, And they took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them to speak no more in the name of Jesus, and then released them. In Acts 6 and 7, the conflict intensified with the stoning of Stephen. This marked the day of the formal outbreak of persecution against the Christian company of good figs. We read in Acts 8, 1-5, And Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him and Stephen to death. And on that day a, a great persecution arose against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Soon most were driven from the land, soon most were driven from the land of Judea into other parts of the Roman Empire. In this manner they fulfilled Jeremiah's description of the basket of good figs, who were the people who submitted to God and who went into captivity originally to Babylon, but now into the Roman Empire. This is the, the history of the early church. It was a church of good figs, not of bad figs. The bad figs were jealous of the good figs and refused to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, even though great signs and miracles were done among them. Yet in the eyes of God, these believers carried the dominion mandate of Judah. They were the true Jews, for they carried the tribal name of Judah and its calling. Let's see. Um,
Hey Roy, how are you? Let's see. Hi there, welcome to Forward. Come on in. I'm Dr. Nate Favini. I'm our <laughs> advertiser. Excuse me for a second. Enjoy the music in the meantime. I'll be back.
Okay, uh, the good figs um, did not consider, okay, let me see. The good figs did not consider anyone Jew or otherwise to be in a saving covenant with God apart from Jesus Christ. They boldly preached repentance, telling the people that they had to repent of the rejection and crucifixion of the Messiah in order to be saved. That message has not changed, even if modern theologians say it has. The Bible is still the word of God, even if the traditions of men contradict it. Furthermore, let it be clearly understood that the conflict did not begin with Jesus persecuting the bad figs. It began with the bad figs persecuting and crucifying Jesus. After the day of Pentecost, the conflict did not begin with the Christians persecuting the Jews. It began with the chief priests of the temple persecuting the Christians. It was only later, as Christians lost the glow of Pentecost, that carnally-minded Christians began to fight back and to persecute the Jews. They were wrong in doing this. Christians ought to have a higher standard than that. While we might expect the Jewish leaders to be cut to the quick, quote-unquote cut to the quick, Acts 5.33, by the call of repentance, the call to repentance, and we might expect them to react with anger, we ought not to see this same carnality manifested in those who claim to follow Jesus' example. Christians, too, have much repentance to do. 
Okay, I'll pick it up uh, next uh, is chapter 8, The New Jerusalem. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, and God bless you.